0: <laughs> I, I always say, you know, I'm probably like a a, a reptile, so yeah. I would just go in my little cave, sit there, shiver
1: <laughs> under a sun lamp for the winter, and,
0: and then they will find me three thousand <laughs> years later as a little skeleton, yes, frozen in permafrost.
2: Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein.
0: Now,
1: you just snuck that in there so fast.
0: I did. I know.
1: Yeah, you know. I know this is only audio, but he has a guilty look on his face, and this I, is Doctor.
0: I do T. have so a doctor, guilty look on my face. Who
1: but. was preempted by Doctor. Yola?
0: But I jumped in. You know, and yeah, I, know. I thought this is the per podcast and we need to do this. Now, and I have
1: to warn you about something, Yola.
0: Um,
1: I am currently on my third cup of coffee for the morning, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that cannot mean anything good. No, no. I, this is my second, but it's, I mean, you're already an, er, an, a, a, an hour early. So you are in the Eastern times so and I'm in Central. So
1: You're an hour earlier than me.
0: Oh, yeah. So you have an hour extra. But that's what I'm trying right. to say. That's so you have an hour more coffee drinking behind you.
1: Exactly. I do. So I um, before we're going to talk about updates in the literature, but I want to ask you a question first. What's the temperature where you are? Temperature here? Yeah.
0: <gasps> oh, in- you don't want to know. You no, I- want to know. So it is a... Gorgeous blue sky day. Yeah. They expect 71 degrees Fahrenheit today. Oh,
1: what's that in real?
0: I think it's 70, okay, one second, uno secondo, because yeah, I'm, I, you, I, I, I still, you know, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know if anybody else of our listeners have the same thing, but <laughs> the formula from centigrade to Fahrenheit is so complicated mm-hmm. It's really easy, but I cannot remember it. It is, I don't know what it is in my brain that cannot do the 32 degree plus blah 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 blah, blah minus divided by whatever. Okay. And so I always suck in this. So you uh, usually
1: let, tell me the temperature in Celsius though. So
0: so the temperature today is going to be oh, it's less warm than I thought. 15 degrees oh, centigrade.
1: 15 centigrade.
0: Yes. And Monday it's going to be 24.
1: Well, so the reason I brought it up is that on a few days ago, earlier in, in March, cause we're recording this in March, um, Ottawa had the warmest day of, you know, that day of the month in history. It was 20, no, 19, it was 19 Celsius.
0: Minus 19.
1: No, it was 19. <laughs> it was gorgeous. And today it's three
0: <laughs>
1: it's spring in a lot of Canada. Yeah. It's very much know. You know, high, low, high, low. Yeah, little Anything
0: snow. beyond the wall. <laughs> I'm not going to in the winter. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> they were always talking about the Southern Wall. I'm i talking about this Northern Wall. And,
1: <laughs> the Northern so, Wall of cool.
0: I love Canada. I would love living in Canada. I love everything about Canada. Exactly. Hortons, my favorite cat friends are there. And, you know, <laughs> there's so many things why I would go to Canada. Except for the winter, yes. I'm not going to, sur- you know, I, I'm such not a cold person, a water person, yes. and I would just wither away. <laughs> I, I always say, you know, I'm probably like a a, a reptile, so yes. I would just go in my little cave, sit there, shiver
1: <laughs> under a sun lamp for the winter, and,
0: and then they will find me three thousand <laughs> years later as a little skeleton,
1: yes,
0: frozen in permafrost. <laughs> that's me
1: well we we welcome you when the weather is good and you like to come so and i'll when be back as soon as over, the borders open you have okay. to come back and visit me in nova scotia again
0: exactly yeah. exactly but by the way my friends this is the per podcast and we have been rambling oh, on for a long time this is dr Yola Kirpenstein and
1: this is dr susan little and it really isn't a podcast about weather it isn't
0: no it's not it's a podcast about cats and yeah. we love cats anything to do with cats and uh This week, we have a special treat because we're going to talk about some articles that Dr. Susan dug up in her vast array of journals, et cetera, although it's one journal that we're talking about. But there are some articles. And the first article that we're going to talk about is kind of a, which is really uncommon, a revamp of a previous article and the article that we're talking about previously was metastatic feline memory cancer prognostic factors outcome comparison of different treatment modalities a retrospective multi-center study which was published in 2020 by dr petrucci and a whole uh, a lot of other people yes. um, and we already talked about this article so what? we're not going to really. But what happened was dr susan hot news
1: yeah so they they uh published a bit of an update i i don't know if update is the right word um uh, in in uh in in publishing it's called a corrigendum corrigendum c o r r i g e n d u m a corrigendum
0: wow that's yeah. a new word for me corrigendum i know
1: i think i think it's like it's latin probably and it's like uh you know a correction it probably comes from from that
0: Yes, it's it's like a combination of a correction and addendum.
1: There you go, yes. An error in a printed book that is corrected. There you go.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so then, so, so, but if that's the case, then they made an error that they want to correct. So it's not really new data, it's that they, somebody thought at a certain point, hmm, there's something fishy here, maybe we should redo the stats and see what comes out.
1: Yeah, so, they, um, I, reading between the lines, you know, I, I think that there was a, a couple of errors in their data tables. And that may have provoked them to recalculate. Now, I'm, I'm not sure that it changes things that much, actually, in, in terms of the, the outcomes. So we'll, we'll talk about the whole the whole paper because it's, I'm not sure if we talked about this one before because the other mammary tumor ones we've talked about were about outcomes after surgery and so on. And this one is about uh, uh, primarily about um, uh, chemotherapy um, for these guys or chemotherapy as an adjunct. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it really changes the, the results uh significantly so i thought we'd talk about this for two reasons one is that i do like to see if there has been an error or a recalculation i do like to see the uh, the correction on public yes right that's a good yes
0: thing. And, and most of the time these are you know when you look at most of them, you get like a letter to the editor of someone complaining about something and then there's a response to it but this time it comes from the authors
1: yes host. So, so I, I think that's a good thing. It's a healthy part of science. Yep. Um, and uh, and I I always in, you know encourage people who are really getting used to reading the literature a, a lot to realize that um, you shouldn't uh, be looking down on or discounting an article because a correction or a clarification or whatever it was was published. So it it's it is um, improving the transparency is what it is. So. So um, I I would like to commend the authors for doing that because it's not always easy. You know, your babies come out, here's your article. And of course, you know, you're, you're
0: done with it after yeah, years. Because or- this
1: mm-hmm. was a multi-center study. So it was probably a lot of work. Yeah. Right? So you're very proud of it. And it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to have to published an update um, but they they did and they rebuilt one of the tables now in in the the end result I think is it doesn't change things very much so um, these guys were really looking at a specific subset of feline patients with mammary tumors and those were the ones with metastatic disease yep yeah so there's not there's there's a a number of articles on prognosis for cats with mammary tumors but I don't know of other ones that have a big group, I think it was 73 cats with metastatic disease. So that's that's to me the value of this article.
0: Yeah, so the number 73, that's that's a lot, and that's probably due to the multi centricity yeah. of the study. So it was
1: the only from, way they get that many cats.
0: Yeah. yeah. And they're all, they all are stage four, which is mm-hmm. metastatic disease, yeah. so uh, which is interesting maybe, because we normally say that chemotherapy doesn't work in yeah.
1: metastatic So I thought maybe you could give us a quick review of what those stages are, Yola, like just to well, reorient. I,
0: I knew you would do that and, uh, and I, I should know it by heart, but uh, so yeah. Um, and i i just read about it too uh, oh gosh yeah so it is stage four is metastatic disease in uh, organs that are outside of the lymphatic so it's liver <laughs> lung stage three is when you have disease within uh, the lymph nodes if i'm correct stage two is size dependent i think and uh, it, attachment dependent And stage one is just small and and uh non-attached so but I just want to be sure that I'm saying the right thing
1: so as Uh, we go up in the numbers of the stages obviously it's more serious disease
0: yes Uh, exactly yeah
1: and in this case the the cats were all stage four so they all had metastatic disease and as Yola said like typically we don't think of patients, especially with mammary carcinomas, we don't think of them as being amenable to chemotherapy um, at that stage.
0: Yeah, so, that's exactly it. So so, so normally we, we, we're we using the TNM uh, scoring system, which is tumor node right. Yeah, And that's how we stage these uh, the, these cats. So yeah. like I said, tumor is the first one, and it's most of the time size dependent. Uh, node is the uh, lymph node, and metastasis is distant, or uh, no metastasis size, groups, so.
1: Yeah. And we know that tumor size is really important with feline carcinomas, especially for a surgical cure, right? So if they're bigger, the size is something like, they have to be under something like two centimeters, don't they? It's a, it's a, it's a small limit for you to perform surgery, and, and with a good chance of a, of a cure.
0: Uh, that's that's exactly it. Two to three centimeters, depending on the, the, the research that you look at. Yeah. So There's also stage zero, by the way. Uh, and that is when abnormal cells are present, but not have spread through uh, nearby tissue. Okay. That's called carcinoma in situ. So that's yeah. stage zero. Well, we don't get stage so one, uh, the cancer is present. And, you know, it has to do with size, spread to near tissues. And then stage four is when it has spread to um, outside of, so to distance.
1: Distant, distant sites outside of lymphatic yep. system. Yeah. 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 So they, they had, they divided these, um, cats in, into groups. Um, so they, they did look at 73 cats, but they pulled out of there cats that, uh, had adjuvant chemotherapy. So about half of the cats had chemotherapy. And they fell in, this is a retrospective study now, remember, so, but they fell into three groups. So there was a group of cats that got the maximum dose of chemotherapy. So when we're, when we're giving a lot of chemotherapy drugs, there's often a dose range. So they looked at the cats that were really at the maximum dose. Then they looked at a group of cats that got metronomic chemotherapy, which, um, which means the doses are lower and more frequent. Is that a good way to describe it? Uh-huh. Yeah, lower doses and more frequent instead of fewer and higher. So that was group two. Um, and then the group three cats were um, specifically uh, treated with one particular um, drug whose brand name I think is Palladia. I'm always okay. bad on remembering. Yeah, um, that's
0: a tyros- tyrosine kinase inhibitor.
1: Yes, it's a tyrosine kinase. So t- um, tocerinib Palladia. So they, their third group were cats that only got palladia, and that's an oral drug, so it's pretty like it's pretty easy to give. So I think that's why they pulled them out. And then they looked at those three groups of cats, and they they looked at how long before their disease progressed, um, and how long before they died because of their cancer.
0: Yeah, and I have to say here something because you know, I, I I I like the article. I like the fact that they have so many cases, but when you start doing that, you are significantly influencing the data because now suddenly you have numbers that are lower than yeah. 10 or around 10 in yeah. per group. And then you're going to make a conclusion. So you're looking for differences. Uh, it's a retrospective study. It is very you know, badly randomized or, and not randomized at well, all. Yeah. There's yeah. lots of data points, et cetera, et cetera. So it makes the data less strong for me mm-hmm. um and and so any conclusions that you're making out of these small groups is is very very tough i i think that if you would do no treatment versus something that would be stronger than uh than than just splitting it up to different little groups and obviously the 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 uh palladia and the tyrannus is tyrosine canase uh, inhibitors are very very popular uh, in general practice because you know it's just a pill and you give it and you don't have to do anything else and there are not that many side effects uh, so so I would have said okay either do that group and compare it with no treatment but with the no treatment that is such a <sighs> difficult group because yeah. no treatment means that the owner doesn't want treatment. And there are most of the time are reasons for owners to say that. So that's such a biased group yeah. that is very, very difficult. So if you would say, okay, we, we randomly assign you to no treatment, to treatment, that's something different. Mm-hmm. But if you say we just take a no treatment group and then compare it with, uh, with, uh, a treatment group, most of the time, the cases that are treated are better. Uh, then and have a better prognosis than already without anything because they're selectively selected to get treatment So I you know I I kind of like it because I have so many cases but, and maybe this is the reason why the statistician looked at it again. But this is a statistical trap that you're setting right now. And so, data of these studies, I'm always very, very careful with, especially when you get p-values that are way low. So if you get less than zero 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 point zero one one, I'm like, mm, in nine cats, seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I get worried. But that's that's my scientific brain starting to spin in overdrive, which I shouldn't be doing because you know I think there are some interesting details here too.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the way to look at it. I, I think the way to look at it, a study like this is to understand what you can and what you cannot um, conclude from looking at it. And to me, the take home message from this study, because it's such a, uh, a specific group, right? It's stage four cats. Um, the take home message from this study is that we shouldn't give up on adjuvant, we shouldn't eliminate adjuvant treatment at, uh, as a possibility just because the cat is in stage four.
0: I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's a good point. If, if that's what you want to get out of this uh, yeah. article, I totally agree with you right. because I would have agreed with you before I read this article about that already. So yeah. there, there, but there,
1: we, we didn't have enough.
0: hope. You know, I, I I think that so when I was doing a lot of osteosarcoma research in the other species, I told my owners that there's a subgroup of these cases, whatever we do with them, they will do really good. They mm-hmm. will be cured and we don't know why, but they will be cured. So and we know that that group is bigger if you give them something extra than if you don't. So why wouldn't you, you know? You might be in that, that one dog might just be in that group and then you will call me five years later and say, hey, it's still mm-hmm. alive and we're all very, very happy. If yeah. you won't, then I know that 90 to 95% is gone within a year. So the, the, the fact that giving these drugs has some effect in individual cases, yeah, I agree. I'm totally. I mean, I, I, if it was my own cat, I probably would do it, and I probably would take the one that is the least invasive. So, yeah. in in that case, you know, palladium would be really good. Yeah. If you want to try something, try this then. Yes. But you know, we you know the, the memory cancer in cats is such a difficult disease, um, and and so then the question is also how did they decide that the cat had metastatic disease.
1: Yeah, so they did a lot of imaging in this study. They did, uh, um, a lot of these cats had CT. They certainly had ultrasound. So I'm not worried so much about staging the cats. And, and I, I agree with you that the numbers are too small to look at, oh, you know, cats in this group to live 20 days longer than cats in the other group. To me, it's, you know, the, those distinctions aren't useful because the numbers are small. To me, again, that take home message is that traditionally we have dissuaded owners from any type of treatment of cats in stage four, right? And we've, we've been primarily talking to them about euthanizing the cat. Um, and th- this study suggests that for owners who want to attempt to buy some extra time with decent quality of life, we shouldn't shy away from adjuvant chemotherapy. They, and, Uh, the other point that I think is important from this study is they looked at um, adverse effects in those three groups. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the, the cats that got the highest possible dose of the chemotherapy agents, of course, had a lot more adverse effects. Whereas the cats that got metronomic therapy or the cats that got palladia had, you know, less, less than half of the adverse effects, and yet the, the, the survival times between the three groups are not that different. So that, that again, it's a small number, but what that says to me is that if you have an owner who wants to try to do something for the, the, these cats with the poorest prognosis, then maybe metronomic chemotherapy or, or an oral tyrosine kinase inhibitor is a way to go. It may buy them some time with the, the least risk of adverse effects.
0: Like yeah table. i want to look at, at at table three on the correction yeah. article because i think we need to d- dive deep dive a little deeper maybe you understand yeah. better than i do so the first uh, variable that is mentioned is metastatic disease yeah. uh, and then they talk about de novo metastatic disease so is that are, can you explain what the difference is between the two because the p-value is 0. 0.048 so that means that it is bear it's just statistically significant with all the variables that we see at for me that means it probably it's not but that's okay but it is leaning towards that and 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 survival time between the two groups so if you if in the metastatic group is 40 and in the novo is 130 so they seem to live a little longer yeah do you know what the difference between the two groups is
1: no i don't I, and I've, I've looked through the paper to see if they gave a definition of what they're calling um de novo and either i've missed it or it's not there
0: yeah so that's really interesting because it means to me that it is new metastatic disease that's So what it, it sound like right but is that new in a different spot or mm-hmm. uh you know they didn't have metastatic disease during the first diagnosis which kind of would be against because i thought they were all stage four so yeah, that's something stage. that would worries me a little bit and and i'm surprised that the uh the, the editors didn't jump on that. But then the other thing, a clinical science, if they were present, mm-hmm. um, obviously the survival time was a lot less. And I can explain that already because owners, if you have major clinical signs, that probably owners, so like for instance, cat cannot breathe. Sure. Um, I think the owners probably won't go further. Um, and then there was no significant difference with the duration. That's plural effusion was very significantly different, which, you know, once again. Yeah. Can understand because owners are not going to do major therapy if there's pleural fusion and the cat cannot breathe and then the location was also significantly different but that is tough because the groups are less than five in yeah. three out of the four yeah. so I am i don't trust that very yeah.
1: much but it does make sense right because the lungs had um,
0: a better survival that's weird so it's yeah just-
1: that Right, exactly. It doesn't make sense. I'm interested. The last part of that table is mastectomy after the stage four diagnosis. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah,
0: so you, you do have to say it's partial mastectomy after the stage with palliative inc- intent. So that I read that as that cat has an ulcerative lesion that we took off. Right, and then they survive longer. Yeah, of course, because you know, if they keep the ulcerative lesion, then they probably die within a week or two, and that was the right. case because it's thirty-seven days. So yeah. a month later, they're dead. Um, so it's not. I mean, also that definition is a little. It's a yeah. So so you know, I I have as a matter of fact that the interesting thing is that I I like the article because yes, there is, you know, you know, there might be some uh, some place for chemotherapy, especially, you know, like I said, the tyrosin kin-
1: tyrosine.
0: Tyrosine kinase inhibitors yeah. in cats with memory cancer. Why yeah. not? But this table and this correction brings more questions up in me than it decreases the question. So I would be really interested to talk to the editor of uh, the journal of feline uh, Medicine and Surgery to, um, you know, to, to, to ask them and say, hey, you know, did not, did, did not do the same thing to you as it did with me.
1: Um, if you compare the amended table three and the original table three, though, they're not that different.
0: So, yeah, but why would you do it? I mean, I understand that why you would do it, but, uh, yeah. but the, the reasoning why they're sending this letter is not clear. So, yeah,
1: well, I just think it's good that they did it's clarity. Hmm. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, and I also think we should look at this knowing that we, it's very hard for us to get good numbers of cases, period, in veterinary medicine. And this is a, a good starting point, you know, getting something yeah. like this in the literature. Uh, if nothing else, it opens the doors or raises awareness, whereas other people might look at that and go, hmm, you know, some of those findings are interesting, uh, but we need bigger numbers of cats. So let's go ahead and do it.
0: Yeah. And they say it at the end really well. So yeah. they say that the major conclusions are that there's a poor prognosis. And we knew that. Yeah. That adjuvant therapy maybe works or maybe not. But that asymptomatic cats, so cats that don't show any symptoms, have a better prognosis, which I understand. Yeah. And then uh, that palliative local surgery may be performed to improve quality of yeah. life. So yeah. they don't say anything about it, it will extend their life. it will not And I, th- I that's what I like about this article, and I know the authors pretty well. Um, and what I like about this article is that they don't overstate. They don't with the results, and, and so I think that it, I
1: think and, and it's that
0: really shows that they're, you know, for me, that that really helps in appreciating this article.
1: I think it's good that they stated that palliative local surgery may be performed because I think a lot of vets um, with a, a mammary cancer cat with metastasis would dissuade people. They might almost think like it's wrong to do palliative local surgery. So I, you know, I, I, I like the, 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 um, the options, let's say the options that
0: this opens. But the definition of palliation is to help the patient, not exactly. anything else. And so I, I, I think that, that I have a pretty open mind for palliative surgery, especially when wow. the patient is suffering. Yeah. And I'm an oncologic surgeon, obviously. And so for me, it makes so much sense to take out the spleen in a, the with a bleeding, you know, a abdomen. Yeah. It's not going to help the dog at all surviving longer than he would, probably a little bit, but I mean, it's it because it's not going to die immediately. But it, you take away a major issue, uh, a ulcerative wound associated with a tumor, I would do palliative surgery every day on that, even if the dog had or the cat has major metastasis. But that's because- you,
1: and I, I don't think most, well, I'm, I may be overstating it, but I think a, a lot of general practitioners would um, not necessarily understand or or see the palliative benefit
0: from it. Yeah, that's interesting. I would, as a matter of fact, say the contrast of that. I think a lot of people would do it without knowing that it may or may not have any effect. So it's just the other way of thinking. I I, I think a lot of people um, in in general practice just want to get rid of the most uh, pertinent issue. Yeah, And that's what they're taught. You know, you have to triage the patient. And so do you want to have, and a lot of owners don't want to euthanize their animals. So if you can't euthanize the animal, then probably it's better for the animal to have that open sore taken off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it's a small surgery, why not? The one thing that I do want to talk about and that a lot of people don't realize is that especially when you have lung metastasis, these are anesthetically risky surgeries. So it is not easy. And that's why I think there is a bias with the pleural effusion because there is no same person who would anesthetize a cat with pleural effusion to do a palliative surgery. Because, you know, the risks are so high. So there's, you know, there's lots of things in this article that, and I love the article because it, it brings up a great discussion, like, between yeah. us. So, yeah. so, but as practitioner, when you listen to this podcast, per podcast right here, is, you know, don't give up immediately. There's options especially for owners that want options so don't say no we can do anything and you just have to either euthanize it or let it die no there's options there and so thank you for dr petrucci et al Mm -hmm. for showing us these options so well done um 25 minutes dr susan no yes no yes Oh, so, I
1: have another article I really want to talk about. We're going to have. I a- know,
0: but then we'll be the next one. So okay. you need to save save that one, and uh, because I think you know this is this is a really cool discussion. And sorry, I was on my soapbox a little bit because this ah, is a
1: no that's
0: why my heart and love. But uh, yeah, this is really good. So um, we'll be back uh, in a week uh, with uh, more wonderful cat news. Uh, for now, I say goodbye. But before we say goodbye, what do we say, Dr. Susan?
1: Well, we say that we hope you enjoy our podcast. And if you do, please consider leaving us a good review or a five-star rating because, well, that makes us smile. And that's good. Um, But it also helps other people find us. And, of course, we want other people to find us.
0: It makes us purr. It does. It does. It does. It does. And and hug your cat for us today, please. Be healthy, be safe. Yeah. And, uh, if you uh, want to contact us on social media, at Per Podcast is our handle.
1: Yep. Yeah. And check Thank out you. our website, perpodcast.net, because you can see a listing of all of our episodes and guest experts there. And you can even listen directly on the website.
0: And we send Easter love to all our feline friends all over the world.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Bye. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app, for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Thank Go... you.